Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. And now to our remembrance of St. Louis theater icon, Linda Kennedy. This is Linda Kennedy. My name is Linda Kennedy, and I'm the Artistic Associate with the Black Rep over education and community programs. My mother said a classmate, um, in fact she was ahead of me, told her that I was one of the few people she knew who lived out her dream from elementary school. My dad wanted me to be a, a secretary, my mom wanted me to be a teacher, and I wanted to perform. And this position allows me to do all of that. At the end of the day, I feel pretty good. That was Linda Kennedy speaking with St. Louis Public Radio in 2013 about her work with the St. Louis Black Repertory Theater. Linda died August 16th after battling cancer. She was 68 years old. Here to discuss the life and legacy of Linda Kennedy is Ron Himes. He's the founder and producing director of the Black Rep, where Kennedy performed many of her greatest roles. Ron Himes, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. You discovered Linda back in 1981. (laughs) How did she catch your eye? Um... Me, at the time, me and uh, Vivian Watt, who was the choreographer at the theater at the time, went to a festival in Fairground Park, I believe it was, and Linda was on stage dancing with this dance company that were, that were performing, and um, I saw a guy that I knew with the company, Daryl Harris, I knew who I knew from Wash U, and after they finished dancing, Daryl introduced us to Linda, and we told her that uh, she should come down to the 23rd Street Theater and audition. And the very next week, she came down and auditioned and never left. And what about her dancing gave you this sense of, this woman could be an actress? Just her presence. You know, she had an amazing presence, an amazing energy, and it just, you know, exuded off the stage. And, uh, you know, you could see that uh, she, she was someone special up there. So when she first auditioned, did she get that first part? Yeah, pretty she much. She did, right oh, away. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the first things she did was uh, Bubbling Brown Sugar, which was a musical, and um, she um, did everything. I mean, it was really anything um, that we needed done. And back in the old days, we all sort of did everything. So she acted, she danced, she sang, she did administrative work. We all sort of, as you know, a small company of actors trying to have a theater company, we all did whatever it took to get the show up. And um, in addition to her performances, she ended up playing a number of roles um, within your company throughout the years. Tell us a little bit about some of the different things she did just um you know, backstage and in addition to being on stage? Well, she was, you know, she cho- she choreographed sometime. Uh, sometimes she was a costume designer. Um, she was always sort of a coach and uh, a mentor to young people who came to the theater. Um, but I think, you know, probably just some of the roles that she played that would sort of, uh, no one would really think. Uh, for instance, the first time that we did The Wiz, Linda mm. played the Wiz. 
Linda played the Wiz. Linda played the Wiz the first time we was did Was this the your Wiz. casting decision? Yes. And yes. what made you decide to put her in this role? That's a historically male part, right? Yes, it is historically male. And uh, But, you know, it was just um, the effect that, uh, you know, she had. And our working relationship was that, you know, she pretty much could do anything and would try anything. And so I was constantly trying to challenge her, trying to stretch her, and uh, continuing to help her grow and develop. Um, we're doing a play this season, uh, Spell Number 7, and in it has a narrator, and who was a, which is also a male role. And when we did Spell Number 7, Linda played that role as well. So we... Uh, you know, cast her in a lot of different ways, and uh, she always rose to whatever the occasion might be. I saw her in um, a couple of different theater companies as well, where she was mm -hmm. playing roles that had been written for white performers, and she inhabited them so fully. I saw her play, uh, who's the mother in The Glass Menagerie? Uh, yes. Um, Amanda Wingfield. Amanda, yes. And she was such a great Amanda Wingfield, you would have thought the part had been written for her. Right. Uh, she and I also, one of the uh, last things we did, we also did on Golden Pond, and she was just amazing in that role, playing uh, the Catherine Hepburn part. Yes, and uh, so yeah, she was she was versatile. She was she was magical, you know. Really, you've worked with so many actresses. What do you think made Linda so good? I think it was uh, her fire, her dedication, her. Um, her, her commitment to trying to celebrate culture and to transmit history and uh, to be a, a role model in terms of, uh, you know, being an example through her work. Linda Kennedy made her solo cabaret debut in 2015. I read a review of the show. They said she sang protest songs, Revolution, Blackbird, and Go Up Moses. But reviewer Chuck Lavazzo wrote that the dramatic highlight of the show was her performance of the song Mr. Bojangles. We actually have a clip of that here that we're mm -hmm. going to play. It's courtesy of the Cabaret Project. How many of you remember watching Shirley Temple movies on I watched the movie and then I go downstairs where my dad had put a big mirror above the bar and I climb on top of the card table so I could see my whole little body in the mirror. Now the basement ceiling was at best six feet, so that tells you how tall I was. Um, and I would practice, practice, practice the dance that I had seen in the movie that day because I had to be ready just in case cute little Miss Girly Top got sick or something. <laughs> 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 I had a chance to dance with one of the, I thought he was just the handsomest I know I'll never 
That was Linda Kennedy performing Mr. Bojangles um, in preparation for her solo cabaret debut in 2015. Ron, when did you first find out that Linda was ill? Um, a couple of years ago, actually. Um, she, you know, talked about not being well and needing to go get some tests. But I think that in the midst of our work, you know, uh, we never, it was a while before we talked about her test results. The fact that she actually had cancer. Right. And um, so it was really probably a year ago, maybe 18 months ago, that she finally said to me um, that she had cancer. And um, What was her attitude like towards it? Um, cavalier, hmm. you know, uh, it was sort of, I got things to do and, um, you know, this time last year she was directing the first show of the season crowns at the black rep and she was in a lot of pain during that time. And immediately after the show opened, she went right into rehearsal for chef at upstream. And I know she was, you know, I mean, there were, there were periods during the rehearsal of crowns that, I had to, you know, she had to sit down and I had to like sort of move people around for for a little while until she sort of, you know, got her st strength and stamina back. Um, and but then she went right into rehearsal for that one woman show, which was just, you know, miraculous that she was able to to pull that off. I mean, and she was amazing when I went to see the production. but. The, the reviews well, for that show were extraordinary. And, you know, the thing about it is I'm sure that no one had any idea of what she was going through, how much pain she was in, how much she was suffering. And I'm sure she just went home every night and collapsed. Oh. Did she continue to, to make plans for future plays? Had you cast her in anything recently? Uh, well, she was, you know, she would have directed uh, – the last show of the season this year, and she probably would have, well, we would have talked about her reprising her role in Spell Number 7, although she would have probably played one of the other roles this time. Um, I got a number of calls from people who were trying to reach out to her to see if she was available, and we had talked, and she had just asked me to just, you know, respond to people to let them know that she wasn't available. Um, and um, so I had to let a couple of people know that. And um, she, um, she knew that she was going to need some time to recover. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she was still reading scripts for me. Um, and uh, we talked regularly. And so she was hoping to continue going uh, on. Yeah, I'm sure. And if not on stage, she certainly was going to continue teaching. I've seen many interviews with her where she talked about just how grateful she was to be able to work as an actress and to be in this field that she loved. Do you think that's part of what gave her that cavalier attitude, that, that she'd done what she wanted to do with her life? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the last time that I visited her, you know, we talked a long time about, you know, things old things, stories. We laughed a lot. When I left the room, she had a smile on her face. You know, she was at peace. And I think that uh, she was ready. She was ready. She was ready. 
Linda Kennedy is survived by her mother, her son Terrell Randall Sr., and two grandchildren. Ron Himes, founder and producing director of The Black Rep, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about her life. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWNU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.